This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why you're single. 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 Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Laura Lane. And I'm Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is exploring sexuality. That's right. Also in the lineup, we're talking about what's new in dating news, Tumblr, loses users after banning porn and a dating app for threesomes and more. Then we're diving into the mailbox to answer your listener questions, including one listener who can't forget her boyfriend's sexual past and another listener who wants to know how to let a complicated hookup down. But first, we want to welcome this week's guest. She is the host and EP of Viceland's TV series, Slut Ever, where she takes an in-depth look at sex, relationships, and intimacy in the modern world. She also writes about sexuality on her own website of the same name, as well as a column for Vogue called Breathless. Last February, she released her first book, Slut Ever. Please welcome to the podcast, Carly Shortino. Thank you so much. I'm really excited. Thank you. We are excited. We've been wanting to have Carly on the podcast for like, I feel like it's over a year at this point. Yeah, since season one. And now we're on season two. Of so this is very exciting. We have more to talk about now, though, with more seasons. True. I'm older and wiser. Oh, I love it. Uh, you have been writing about sexuality for over a decade. How did you get started? It's sort of a long story that I'll shorten for you guys. Basically, I started a blog when I was 21, um, whatever, and it was one like early days of Blogspot back when the internet looked like a black background with like I had a Blogspot. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. My blo- <gasps> my my Blogspot was called the Fast Lane by Laura Lane. Oh, that's Clever. good. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but we're talking about yours, not mine. <laughs> but yeah, like blogs when. When I, you didn't understand that blogging could be your career yet. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't like famous professional bloggers. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was just like, you know, vomiting out stories about my life. At the time I was living in this squatted commune in London and we were freegans and ate out of the garbage and thought we were really avant-garde and artists, although like no one actually made any art. <laughs> and, um, and I started writing a lot about sex and sexuality, my sex life, my sexual past, because I'd grown up in this conservative Catholic family, and I would start interviewing people about their sexual experiences. And um, the blog got a little bit of traction, but then a few years later, I moved to New York, and I started assisting this dominatrix because I like didn't have any professional qualifications or college degree so I was like I guess this is the only job I can get and um, how did you even find this dominatrix I mean like I I felt like when I graduated journalism school I also had no skills or qualifications I mean (laughs) I was like "Hmm, this right yeah writing Uh, that's the only thing I can do but the temp agency never hooked me up with dominatrix yeah yeah, I never got I never got job listings for a dominatrix so basically I had had um yeah, some followers of my blog. And then this guy had contacted me who was a financial slave, internet slave. And a financial internet slave? Yeah. I need one of those. I, I know. <laughs> but wait, I don't even know what that is. So basically, they're called cash pigs or human ATMs. It's a sort of domination, um, particularly financial domination, where they kind of get off on being used for their money. It's literally like the holy grail of, you know, submissives or slaves. But he was kind of poor, so it wasn't as good as it as it seems. It was more like I would abuse him like on Skype, and then he'd send me like 150 bucks, which at the time was like more money than I'd ever had. Um, That's amazing that you can just do that digitally. I know. It was just... Yeah. We would I Skype. would do that now. 
yeah, be mean to someone via Skype and then get paid for it. And right. now that now We're there's in. Venmo, it's so easy. I know that before you'd have to like wait three days for it to enter your bank account on PayPal. But um, he essentially was like, you're actually not that good at this because it's it's hard. To, it's kind of hard to be mean. And so he was like, you should see this dominatrix that I saw when I was in New York and she can basically teach you how to do this better if this is how you want to make money. So I met her to interview her for Vice at the time and I shadowed her for a few days. And eventually she was like, you seem like you're into this. Like, do you want to be my assistant? Basically, like just hand me dildos whenever I need them. And I was like, I can do that. Um, And that's really when my blog and writing started focusing on sexuality because I became so interested in her clients, what happened. This was before Fifty Shades of Grey. So it was like a little bit more taboo. Yeah. And like mysterious. And so that was kind of like the impetus to be like, okay, I'm going to focus on sex and the psychology around that. What does slut ever mean? It's sort of just a blend of the word slut and whatever. It's sort of, you know, it's supposed to be irreverent um, while also reclaiming the idea of the slut, which I've always sort of identified as. And I mean, that's really all. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I actually thought it was like forever, like a slut forever. So I like, it's like whatever. Oh, I'll take that actually. I'll start saying <laughs> that because that's sort of better. <laughs> it's, it's like Both multifaceted. Work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we love It's like show. an art piece. It is. Yeah. It's well, whatever you project what I, onto exactly. it. It's like a Rorschach. Um, so yeah, we love the show. Uh, this season, you guys have been really turning it out. The topics have included polyamory, sugar babies, the stigma facing bisexual men, which was a great episode, and uh, strippers. Um, so we wanted to know, like, were there any episodes that you shot that surprised you? Like, you've been doing this for a long time. It, it's probably hard to shock you, but did anything? Honestly, what shocks me the most is how amazingly open and unapologetic people are about their sexuality that we have in the show. Like one of our episodes is about these people who are into pet play and basically they dress up as horses in order to to fuck basically and have um, sexual experiences. And these we went to rural Colorado and met this whole community of people who just like frolic around a field dressed as horses and then do like veterinary scenes where they like inspect each other and then like have this BDSM sex relationship. And they were all just like the sweetest, most wonderful, like scientists, you know, teachers who were just like, yeah, this is what we love to do. And this is who we are. And it's Amazing and shocking for multiple ways in one that that happens, you know, and then two in just how in a world where people are so often shamed for their sexuality that they're just like, I'm okay to go on national television and talk about this, which is so contagious. You know what I mean? I feel like I walk away from experiences like that learning so much. Um, And also the other big thing that I felt like I learned this season was um, how many men identify as bisexual who don't talk about it openly. Yeah, there's such a stigma against men. It's it's really unfair. Right. Well, because people are just like, oh, you're gay. You're not bisexual. You're gay. Like that's, I feel like it gets brushed off. Yeah. A lot. Well, it's funny because even when we had Jenna Burke on the show and that's a friend of mine, she was on The Bachelor as a contestant, <laughs> but then at some point realized that she was a lesbian. But then when she kind of, you know, came into the lesbian community here in New York City, she kind of got like, there was a big stigma attached to her where they were like, you're bisexual, you're not like a true lesbian. And she got kind of, it was kind of hard for her right. to to be accepted into the into the community. It's, so it kind of goes both ways. Yeah, know, it's weird. I think for or girls, different, different stigmas, well, I, think I guess. Girls, like 
people always are like, oh, you're straight, you're experimenting. And then with men, they think like you're gay and you're like ashamed of it or yeah. something. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Or totally. there's a little bit of that. Yeah, I write about that in my book a little bit because, you know, I mostly dated men my whole life and then I had one serious long-term relationship with a woman. And I was like, basically, if you're bi, you're romantically homeless. Because it is true that like lesbians, if you're bisexual, they're like, okay, you're always going to go back to dick. That's what they also, they're like, yeah. you're going to marry a guy and you're going to want to have a kid. Like that's, that's what a lot of the, the women said to her. Yeah. And you know what? I think that that happens a lot. So, but it also doesn't happen a lot. You know what I mean? It's not. There's exceptions to every rule. Yeah, exactly. But I do think that in that specific circumstance, it's way harder for men. And we went to this like support group for bisexual men and they were talking about how exactly what you said. It's super hard to get a girlfriend because they're all like, you're just on a, in a stepping stone on your way to like a fully blown gay identity. And then, um, I don't know. I think like a lot of gay men just think it's gross that you fuck women. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i could see that Uh, one thing i i feel like we really like is i think coming from the comedy world first angela like when you start writing sketches and you're trying to think of okay what's the game and the joke of the sketch one of the first rules we learned is the game can never be somebody's sexual kink right do you remember being taught that that like sexual kink is never it can never be like the joke because it's not funny because everybody there's so many different sexual kinks people are into that can never be the joke right and you also like never punch down and if you're kind of in a niche group it's kind of makes you like a marginalized person it's like you never yeah want to punch down you which is why up. like yeah like a lot of, we've we've interviewed dominatrixes and drag queens and unicorns and uh i think that's why we we love your show because you kind of try to interview different people from niche communities uh one of my favorite lines is in the stripper episode which comes out on the 31st that we got like a little sneak peek of where you found out that some of the strippers make most of their money from instagram and you had a line fuck everyone who said instagramming photos of my butt was not a good career move (laughs) uh we we love that you keep things really light and humorous on your show as well uh how does that make things more accessible to people and um in like the choice of tone that you found for your show Totally. I think that's a great question. I, uh, you know, I think so often we talk about sex in this extremely serious way. And especially for women, we are told from such a young age, such a young age about all the ways that sex can be dangerous. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to get STD. And like, you know, now I feel like we're going through, sex is going through such a dark time in a way, you know, we're having all these necessary conversations around consent and sexual harassment, but we forget alongside of that to talk about all the ways that sex can be like fun and that it connects you to people. And I, I'm actually scared for young women, like teenagers and girls in college now where the late, the dating and sex landscape just feels like a minefield. So I think that, um, it's so important for me and, and this, uh, woman I created the show with named Adria Mergia. We were like, okay, the show is about celebrating sexuality. Like it's not going to be a doomsday warning. And I think that comedy is an amazing entry point into talking about that. I mean, like you guys know that you do that for a living. It's like, it's just so um, disarming. Do you know what I mean? Because it's so awkward to talk about like, yeah, dressing up like a horse and to fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so if you can laugh about it, that's amazing. And so many people that are You in- laugh about it though without making fun. Which, right. It's still always respectful, right. which is what we really like. Yeah. But yeah, like if you're being pulled in the middle of a field by a man in a horse suit, like- it would be hard to not crack a smile at the very least, I guess. I know. Yeah, there has to be some <laughs> self-awareness. 
Self-awareness is exactly it. And it's just like to not take yourself too seriously because I actually do think that one of the most wonderful things you learn as you get older, hopefully, is to not take sex too seriously, to be able to like laugh and be playful. And I actually love that you pointed out in one episode that people never laugh in porn. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Because there is a lot of like giggling during sex and like it's not all like, you know, cover of a romance novel, Fabio seriousness. Even Fabio laughs. And on something I've noticed on TV is that people don't talk during sex very much. Like you see sort of like flashes of erotic fucking. Well, Angela and I actually have a problem with that because we both have tried to talk during sex and (laughs) Angela's fiance, he's, he's deaf in one ear. So whenever she tries to talk dirty (laughs) and to, and like in his defense, I'm also not that confident in it. So I'm just like whispering and he's like huh <laughs> what and it forget gets, it never yeah. mind and then i don't have that excuse like nick is not deaf in one here but he still's like what wait he's like what's wrong did something here? i was like never mind i'm just gonna shut up um just start screaming yeah, yeah exactly i have a um so i want to talk about the the stripper episode as a feminist i've always had very conflicting feelings about strippers and whether it's empowering and sex positive or objectifying for the male gaze after that episode what was your takeaway and what did you learn uh, from this episode that comes out on the 31st? I think, you know, the way you think about that, I think we've all thought about that. That is a, it's something that you really have to reckon with because I think that we are so conditioned to think that any form of sex work um, is bad for the sex worker, that they are victimized in some way and that there's an exploitation component. And it's not like that doesn't happen. Obviously, there are some people who get into sex work because that is their only option, you know, um, strippers as well. But I think that what we have to do is we always have to grant women um, their agency and their autonomy. And if people are making the decision to do that, that we have to say, like, that's okay. And the idea that And the idea, I think there's always been this feminist idea that any kind of overt expression of sexuality or any kind of like, quote, sluttiness is participating in your own exploitation. But what if that makes you happy? What if that turns you on? I feel like sometimes feminist ideas or ideals can actually get in the way of our own desired sexual expression or or like our sexual pleasure or feeling empowered and or making money by taking your top off like a lot of the women we met really liked that um their profession and obviously there were things they didn't like it but there were a lot of things they did which is basically like every job yeah there's it's not black and white i feel like i really learned that when i i went to burning man with two porn stars yeah (laughs) and one of them was just I, I she just loved her job and you could tell she just like owned her sexuality and was like walking around like the whole week without a top on and like this was what she was meant to do and it and she felt empowered and she felt like she was like owning owning you know her inner goddess and then the other porn star that we were with has kind of like a very sad past and was trying to escape her family and like this is what she was doing for money and I just sensed a sadness mm-hmm. in her that she wanted to get out but didn't know how to leave that past now that it was on the internet and had she had made this choice when she was very young and she still was very young and so I I kind of I just like almost within like the first day I just could sense okay this is what you are meant to do and this is what you are not meant and then the other girl this is what you are not meant to do and I think with any kind of sex work and jobs where it can seem exploitive it's not black and white it kind of depends on the situation and the person and it is yeah it's very complicated Totally. And I also think that like 
you can be exploited in any job. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? But the social stigma around sex work is what is so, it like piles on additional shame. And that's really the problem. But, um, and the other thing about sex work is that you're not like trained. Like most jobs you go to college or someone when you show up is like, this is how you do the job. But when you get into porn, no one does that for you. So you're kind of wandering around figuring stuff out for yourself and often that can lead to initial traumatic experiences. You know, you need like a porn mentor like that. that you, really and, you hope, and you hope you get a good one. Just like when you start your first job, you hope you get a good boss. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Uh, There's no HR. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Exactly. So you seem pretty confident in your sexuality. You like on the show, you like spank people and you, you pegged, you went to a pegging class, which seemed really fun. That was lol. Um, so can you remember any time when you didn't feel so confident with like something sexually or like something that made you blush recently? Oh my God. Like literally constantly. You know what I mean? That's good to hear. Yeah. (laughs) I think I love talking about sex. I love hearing about other people's sexual experiences. I, you know, I find joy and thrill in in sexuality and casual sex throughout my life. But, you know, it was like a long hashtag journey for me, overcoming a lot of sexual shame from growing up in this Catholic family where my parents were like, don't have sex until you're married. And I think a lot of... Well, you're talking to a Catholic. and yeah, is a Catholic. And well, my, my I'm husband, not a practicing a Catholic, practicing, but yes. I went to Catholic school my whole life. So yeah, wow. still trying to to shake that. Like, you know, I feel like... I and still, same with my husband. It took... Maybe in the last year, I stopped like whispering the word sex when I say the word sex. Because like, I'd be like, oh, God can hear me. <laughs> Can't say sex. Yeah, I feel like after like almost three years of doing this podcast, the shame is finally starting to wash away. Wash away, yeah. Yeah, like well, she found well, it didn't help when you found out your priest was listening to our podcast. Oh my god, wait, that's amazing. My mom, well, and then he wound up leaving the priesthood. (laughs) I'll take some credit for that. No, you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, my mom works for the Catholic Church, and one of her coworkers, who of course is a priest. Uh, would like come in and like comment on the podcast to her and I would just be like you know what he's probably jacking it to this thing yeah we were just talking about giving blowjobs last <laughs> yeah. week so you know I mean, yeah not a priest anymore um, uh, yeah but like <laughs> do you guys feel like so sometimes if you grow up with uh, you know restrictive boundaries that uh, sometimes sex is reactionarily like tr- supposed to be transgressive so I think the times in which I you know I love Sometimes, basically, you know, you're asking, when do you feel uncomfortable? Sometimes I feel more uncomfortable with something that's super intimate than I do with something that's like, oh, I fucked that guy after a party. Do you know what I mean? Like looking at someone in the eyes and being like, I love you while you're having sex to me was like probably the thing that I feel least confident about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's why like, yeah, I feel like when I used to before I was married, obviously, and I was hooking up with many men in New York City, I would always keep it like very playful and have like games and toys because it really kind of, you know, kept it like, oh, this is like a fun game. This isn't, there's no motion uh, attached. It also depends on your personality, I think. Like in my regular life, I'm never that intense or like... Yeah, you're very goofy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, so to be able to be like earnest... Like that takes a lot of vulnerable vulnerability. Yeah, it does. Being earnest and like, yeah, I'm very uncomfortable with that. Same. <laughs> All right, we are going to talk more sexy stuff with Carly later on in the podcast. But let's take a quick sponsor break, and then we're going to jump into what's in the news. We would like to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Make it, dream it. You can make it yourself. 
and you can easily create a website all on your own. That's what Angela and I did when we were a scrappy sketch show called This Is Why You're Single. Then we became a podcast. Then we launched a book. Actually, we did those in uh, opposite orders. But anyways, as we grew, so did our website. We created the single shop. We started adding our podcast sponsors to our website. We added press. We added a gallery. We added videos. And that's what's so cool about Squarespace because you can just be constantly updating your website yourself. I can't even imagine what it would be like if we had somebody creating our website for us and I'd like email them every day to change little tiny things. That would be so annoying. You got to cut out the middleman. Laura is our our tech guru. (laughs) You don't have to know a lot. Laura will admit she didn't go into it knowing that much about building websites. I knew nothing. And now she's a genius. I can't even turn on our TV in our bedroom and I've created an awesome <laughs> This Is Why You're Single show.com website. So yeah, look at our website. You can see what we did for ours to get an idea of what a Squarespace website can look like. Right. And maybe you do something creative. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you're a business owner and you own like a bar or a restaurant. Maybe you design accessories or you're a hairstylist. Whatever you do, Squarespace is a great option for you to put your work online. They have beautiful templates created by world-class designers. Um, They actually have a new way for you to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions. So whatever is in your head for your website name, it might be available. Check it out. Go get it. And then if you get confused, there's 24-7 award-winning customer support. Yes. Also known as my best friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out squarespace.com slash single for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use code our offer code single to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash single and use offer code single to save that 10% off a website or domain. All right, Angela, what have you been reading about in the news? Well, we're going to talk about porn some more. Um, I was reading on Mashable about how Tumblr has lost almost a third of its user after banning porn. This is a piece by Morgan Sung. So I had there, there was a huge uproar on the internet once Tumblr announced the decision to start taking porn down. Um, and people said, like, this is going to be the end of Tumblr. And sure enough, they're losing all these followers. So I feel like when they were bought by Yahoo, right? Didn't Yahoo buy them? I don't know. I don't know. Well, well whoever bought maybe I'm, that's true. <laughs> uh, I feel like that was when it was like whoever bought them and uh, yeah, Yahoo bought them. Uh, nobody at Yahoo understood t- Tumblr. That was uh, the headlines yeah. going around. I feel like that was also when it kind of started to. I also go down. didn't realize that this choice, some background on it, like it was based in the fact that they were finding like not okay types of porn like there was like child porn being discovered on tumblr and that's so but rather than like try and like seek out those types of porn they were just like we're banning it all it's like all coming down but turns out not safe for work posts were the lifeblood of tumblr um they reported that traffic fell from 521 million monthly page views in december to 437 million in january it's a big dip um and yeah people apparently now are like posting their porn on Twitter, which like I feel like is that even allowed? I don't know. Yeah, it is. Is it? Mm. They don't yeah, have like nudity rules. No. Have you ever followed a porn star on Twitter? It's yes, like the literally right. just, it's just full penetration. You're in your feed like every day. You know why? Because <laughs> they're usually private. I think, and then 
No. Or, or like it says like adult content. Like no, because I my, had, my, like I used my to have, settings won't let me look at it. I'm too lazy to fix my settings. <laughs> I, Not used, that I'm, I used to have Laura Lane NYC was my Twitter handle. And then I purchased the Twitter handle just Laura Lane from a girl. So I got rid of Laura Lane NYC and it was very quickly taken over by a porn star. Ah, so that's so funny. Yeah. I was like, Maybe I should have just like also kept that one, but I, I never thought that Laura Lane NYC would be taken over by a porn star. I haven't checked recently to see if it's still the porn star is still running the account. I'm gonna right. check right now. I hope she's doing um, well. But yeah, have I looked at porn on Twitter? Yes, I have because well, it, my old handle is now a uh, porn star. I remember we had Alana Love, the porn star, on our show, and when the episode came out, we tweeted and we tagged her, and I was like, oh man, I can't see if she's posting about it because I have these like baby locks on my computer. <laughs> Twitter.com slash Laura Lane NYC doesn't exist. So apparently this porn star, I don't know, chose a different handle, but it used to be a porn star. Moved on. Moved on. Moved on. That's what's amazing about Twitter to me because I recently listened to a interview with the founder, Jack Dorsey, I think is his name. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, there's so many increasing rules on Twitter about what you can say and can't say and, and un-PC tweets being deleted and like accounts being deleted for saying things that are like politically divisive and then they were like what about porn he was like that's chill and i was like i actually kind of love that yeah mentality he's very he's yeah he's very interesting i I just Uh, listened to a podcast um that he he's been doing like a ton of podcasts he did like joe rogan's podcast and he did i don't know that's what i listened to yeah a couple others i think he just released a book oh maybe that's why he was doing the press rounds that makes sense yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan, but we can talk about that later. Okay. Um, but so like, have you have you been like, do you have ear to the ground with this whole Tumblr situation? Like, have you been hearing? Because people have been like, I guess, losing their livelihoods. Like some people were supporting themselves through posting their porn on Tumblr. Yeah. I mean, same when, you know, all these things get shut down, like Vine, that people yeah. were making their living. I mean, to me... Tumblr was just like a porn site. Do you know what I mean? But right. like sort of art, more arty porn, like beautiful art gifts and erotic imagery. And I I was curious if whether they stopped um, porn being on there because of SESTA-FOSTA, those laws that make it illegal for people to, it makes it harder for sex workers to advertise online. And if like any website can be, like seen as selling sex to any capacity they've been shutting down or shutting down that capability but i don't know if that's why oh yeah it's very interesting yeah i don't know um but yeah okay so people are moving on to twitter that's interesting do you like do you identify you say you're a sex positive feminist right like you identify with that strain of feminism that strain yeah if some people say like pro-sex feminist which i like or camille poglia this uh, feminist I like says sex radical feminist which I think is cool but I feel like a lot of feminism is moving into that space yes. anyway yeah like I think that that was a more significant distinction you know as the second wave movement of feminism was ending and people were moving more like in the 80s and 90s so it's like a similar approach as like when we were talking about strippers and stuff like before like you can be a feminist and like watch porn or be into porn it's like do you seek out ethical porn or ethically made porn? Like how, how do yeah. you navigate that as a feminist? Oh man, that's like a, a maze of <laughs> I know complications. Yeah. It's a complicated question because, you know, there's in the past handful of years, this increasing genre feminist porn. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And a lot of feminist porn, the aesthetics of it are like women with a lot of tattoos and it. They're, or, 
you know, body diversity and it tends to be very loving, right? Really? Yeah. And um and that doesn't really turn me on. So I was like, oh, am I not a feminist? Because I don't like feminist porn. And then I have this friend who's a female pornographer. And I was like, what even is feminist porn? And she was like, feminist porn is basically just when on a porn set, people are treated well. Right. And that women have the ability to say what they do and don't want to do. And I was like, oh, right. That's obviously what it is. They should get to like tag videos the way they do like sustainable clothing or (laughs) plastic without like BPA. Yeah, exactly. Right. You just saved like three jugs of water watching this porn video. Right. Um, Cool. I don't think it's unfeminist to like porn where there's extreme, like women are being extremely dominated or whatever. Like so long as she signed up for that. Right. No, like I'm, kind of into that myself but it's yeah it's more about like what's going on in the set and stuff totally i love a good gangbang scene do you yeah (laughs) see that i'm less into because i'm like all right there's enough men in my real life (laughs) get out of here guys yeah Uh, laura what are you reading about so i've been reading the new york times uh this is an article by Haley mlotek a dating app for three. So we talk about Thrinder a lot, and I just realized that it's not called Thrinder anymore. I know. It was we've, such a good name. Yeah. We've been calling it the wrong name for a while. It's now called Field. They got sued. Yeah, they got sued. And that was like in 2017. So I don't know why we, on this podcast, we're still calling it Thrinder. But uh, now anyways, we now we know. It's it's Field. It's the dating app with all the options that puts the Kinsey scale to shame so now the app is listing 20 possibilities for sexuality alone including hetero flexible and homo flexible which is like gay for the most part and hetero flexible is straight ish um, it's all a spectrum i love that it's all a spectrum which i really love uh couples and partners can sign up too in service of finding a third or a fourth uh and and i just love that they have like 20 possibilities now they're really trying to cover the entire spectrum which, you know, you can never cover the entire spectrum, but doing your best. Um, best. According to the company, the majority of field users are between the ages of 26 and 32, and they cluster in major cities, New York, London, Sao Paulo, Los Angeles, and Paris. About 35% are on the app with a partner, and 45% identify as something other other than heterosexual. So some of the gender options include non-binary, intersex, and two-spirit, which I had not heard of. Uh, I, I feel that's like about trans being trans. I, I feel like I'm like so well, well versed in, uh, uh, you know, I just finished my, my feminist book and I didn't, hadn't heard of two spirit. So I felt very behind, um, as well as gender non-conforming, gender queer and gender questioning, which I like. Um, so I don't know. Have you guys, do you guys have friends that are on field? What, what's been the experience of people that you know that are, that are using it? Weirdly, I've always heard, or I've recently been hearing a lot that like a lot of couples that are looking to bring in a third are on OKCupid. I don't okay. know why that's become OKCupid. I'll tell you why. OKCupid recently added a feature that allows couples to link their accounts in their pursuit of a third. So OKCupid recently just added a feature too. So they're more, leaning into that. They're leaning into it. More dating apps are kind of becoming more woke, I guess, to the fact that people are interested in in exploration when it comes to their sexuality so it's very cool but that's interesting so you do know people that are using OkCupid to search out partners or third a third partner my old roommate was bisexual and she would get uh like solicited by couples constantly and she would be like no thank you <laughs> did she did she have the unicorn symbol or how no why I think they did just, they they thought like a bisexual girl was a good pick because she would be into both of them I guess mm. but she wasn't Right. She was just looking for one partner. 
I've heard stories um, over the years of that if you're a unicorn woman that field, you're like a total hot commodity on field. A hundred percent. Because we had our friend um, Alana. Alana. Yeah. Alana. I can't. Heiss. Alana Heiss. I was like, what's her last name? Alana Heiss. She was a unicorn and such a hot commodity because mm-hmm. they are very hard to come by. So like she. Unicorns. Just like bells. unicorns in, in, <laughs> in the. I want to say the real world, but that's not <laughs> the right phrase. <laughs> um, I recently was hearing about OkCupid okay 2. There's this. A friend of mine named Jana Vrangalova. She's the human sexuality professor at NYU, and she's like at Dr. Jana. On we, we've had her. On, oh. We've had her on the podcast. Oh, you have. Mm-hmm. She's amazing, and her Instagram is so great for sex ed. And so she was asking. She does these like surveys on her stories, like, okay, non-monogamous people, where do you find other non-monogamous people, right? And and overwhelmingly, people were saying that. So OkCupid okay, has this new function where you can identify as non-monogamous. And it's probably a little bit more streamlined than field where it's like about being trans and pansexual, pansexual and all these other things. So they were like, you can you can search for only other people that identify as non-monogamous. And then, so it kind of prevents all of these people being, having that awkward conversation where it's like, hey, I'm trying to get to know you. Oh, by the way, I'm Polly and married. And then it's like a downer for yeah. both sides of it. The people, yeah. if they're not into that, you know? Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I love that. They're, People are, are, these websites are allowing it to be easier in terms of communication of what you are looking for. Totally. All right, guys, we are going to jump into the mailbox, but first let's take another quick sponsor break. We would like to thank our sponsor, BioClarity. BioClarity is a clean and green skincare brand that has products that just work. It's that time of year to get back into healthier habits. Although, honestly, Angela, I think every time of year is a good year to do this. It's true. You want your skin to be glowing all year round. This is true. And what healthy eating does for your body, BioClarity does for your face. Their skincare line offers easy-to-use regimens with good-for-you ingredients that will give you great skin. And this was so important to me, even before I had a baby, but when I got pregnant especially, I really started to think what I put on my body, my skin absorbs you know, your skin is your biggest organ, people say. I'm, I'm assuming that's true. A lot of people have said Sounds, it to me. I've heard it before. So yeah, deaf true. <laughs> Either way, your body really does absorb what you put on it. So it really made me think I need to be smart about what I'm putting on my body. I'm growing a human being. And, you know, even after now I'm not pregnant anymore, I'm breastfeeding. I, I think about that. I'm like, now I'm literally creating somebody's food. And and then it made me think, why did I wait so goddamn long to to become like clean and green with with my skincare. I should be caring about myself as much right. as I was caring about my baby. You're right? just selfless. You care more about what Rilo is consuming. Than I don't yourself. know. Well now, you know, like yeah, you should be caring about this. All of you guys should. Don't put yeah. don't put a bunch of crap on your body. So the cool thing about BioClarity is it's really for all skin types. Like if you're prone to breakouts, they have this whole clear skin routine that they they do but then for me I also kind of just have like my skin's normal but it tends to get really dry in the winter especially so I like their essentials routine and that comes with everything you need to nurture hydrate and restore your skin it's a three-step regime that is packed with uh full of detoxifying and calming nutrients antioxidants and a super special ingredient Floralux which is from plants you can only find Floralux in BioClarity. It's absolutely more than just a cleanser. It nourishes and soothes skin. It also helps with redness, hyperpigmentation, and evens out the skin tone and texture for a healthy glow. There are three steps. You cleanse, restore, and hydrate. 
I love that you say regime. I say regimen. It's like tomato, tomato. I don't know if that's like a Long Island thing. I actually think that uh, it's probably just regimen and regime is a completely different thing and I don't know how to speak. I don't know. But luckily I know how to apply things to my face and that's all I have to do with bioclarity. I don't know. I think you could say it however the heck you want. There's a lot of words like that, like tomato, tomato. As it came out of my mouth, I was like, that's wrong. I don't know. Well, it's like, what did we, we said, oh, we said LaCroix, LaCroix. And then we had our listeners had to write in to tell us that we were both wrong and it's LaCroix. Right. We were like, we knew that. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of emails about this. Yeah. Anyway, get healthier, more radiant skin by going to bioclarity.com. And right now our listeners are going to save 40% on skincare routines plus an additional 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal, but you need to enter our offer code single at checkout. So go to bioclarity.com and get 40% off skincare routines plus an additional 15% off everything on their website when you use code single at checkout. We would like to thank our sponsor, Brooke Linen. Guys, you spend one third of your life in sheets. It's about time for a bedding upgrade. Angela, think about that. One third of your life. That is freaking insane. And some of us more time in their lives. If you're lucky. Yeah. You're lucky. Well, I, you know, I... I and not only is it one third of your life, it's two very important things you typically do in your bed. You you sleep, which restores your body. Right. You know, gets you works on your brain. Uh And you have sex. Yeah, sex in your sheets. Those are two important things, I think. And if you're going through a particularly dark period, you're eating in your bed as well. This is all true. I've done that before. So Uh, so many important things happen. So many important things. I was using Brooklyn and Sheets before they were even a sponsor of our show. I I saw them on a Subway ad and I ordered them. I was very happy with them. So then I I got their sheets for the guest room too. I'm a big Brooklyn and fan. Have been for a long time. Uh, same. My mom actually slept over recently and she was like, your bed is so incredibly comfortable. And I was like, it's the Brooklyn and sheets. If mama Sparrow thinks that your bed is comfy, I trust her yeah, judgment. They are mama Sparrow approved. So here's the deal with Brooklyn and their mission is to make five star hotel quality sheets more affordable and easy to order. I love that they say hotel quality because like I get the best sleep in hotel beds. Why is it? I that, mean, that is always the case. Apparently, it's the sheets. So luxury sheets without the luxury markup, most bedding is marked up as much as 300%. That's crazy. Sheets don't just feel great, but they look great too. You can mix and match over 25 plus colors and patterns to make your bedroom just right. I have um, like gray sheets with a, it's called the window pane pattern comforter. Cool. You like, duvet to, cover, you like shall to do a little, a little um, I know, do, switching. I do the mix and match. Yeah. Very cool. I, mm-hmm. I just do the solids, but um, those All, are good options. Yeah. Works for everyone. My Brooklinen sheets are the best, most comfortable sheets I've ever slept on. Now it's time for your upgrade. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use promo code YOURSINGLE at brooklinen.com. That's your Y-O-U-R-E single. So make sure you, you spell that right or it's mm-hmm. not going to work. Brooklyn is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get 10% off your first order and free shipping is to use promo code YOURSINGLE at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code YOURSINGLE. Brooklinen, these really are the best sheets ever. All right, Angela, what do we have in the mailbox this week for Carly to help us answer? Okay. First up, we have a question from our listener, Summer. Summer writes, 
I have some troubling issues, and of course, you were the first I thought to ask. Thank you, Summer. Uh, she says, about five months ago, I got back with an ex whom I dated for four years during high school. Now we have a very strong relationship, and he has shown endless growth in his maturity and loyalty to me. However, the topic of people we'd slept with while broken up has arisen, and he told me he's unsure of how many girls he'd slept with. I also saw a constant stream of photos of him partying with other girls on social media. Now I can't help but get sick every time I see other girls that he partied with. My self-confidence in bed is also affected greatly by the thoughts that consume me about whether or not I even slightly compare it to the many girls he'd had sex with. Sometimes uh, this thought makes me so insecure that I'm nauseous. Is this jealousy something you ladies have heard of before, or am I crazy as as crazy as I feel? Either way, please help me get past this. Kylie, what do you think you or what would you tell Summer? Okay, basically, number one, I think that's probably relatable for a lot of people. But the heart of what you have to remember is that your boyfriend's not with those people anymore. You know what I mean? He chose you, and you don't control your boyfriend, so he's. let's hope so he's autonomously choosing to not be with other people in order to be with you and like that's his decision and if he didn't want to do that he would leave you know and also um i recently wrote a column for vogue about jealousy and i was reading esther perel you know that famous sex therapist we all love her we love esther perel and um it really helped me because in her new book the state of affairs there's a chapter about jealousy and she was talking about how in america specifically jealousy hurts twofold because we have a lot of shame about feeling jealousy here in our culture. So it's like you feel jealous, which sucks. And then on top of that, you, there's this whole other level of hating yourself because you feel jealous and then you think you're weak. But she was like, in a lot of other cultures in the world, specifically South America and Europe, like jealousy is seen as a necessary component of love and passion. And that if you didn't have it, you would be apathetic, which is counter to being able to like form a bond with someone so I think it seems like a lot of what this girl's feeling is like it's like she hates herself because she feels jealous and then I feel like it's so strong she's jealous and then on top of that the hate makes her nauseous yeah exactly so if you could reform your relationship with your own jealousy which like is super hard um so I'm not saying it'll happen overnight but I think that will make you feel better and also just remembering like your boyfriend loves you that's why you're dating you know yeah. I feel like this is so relatable. I Nick, I slept with more people than than Nick did when we got together, like probably by a good amount. <laughs> um and I just had extreme jealousy by anybody that I knew he had slept with, even though, you know, he seemed to just accept me for who I am and know that like everything that I had done prior to us being together made me who I am, which like is who he loved. And I wish that all people could could think that way. I wish you could say like, okay, you know, this is now, because what did she write? She wrote and said, uh, uh, she said, now we have a very strong relationship and he has shown endless growth in his maturity. So that's after he had sex with all these people and partied. He now has endless growth and maturity and now you love him in a way you didn't before. So everything he went through during your time apart made this made this guy the man that he is that you love. So in a way you should kind of like be grateful for these experiences, which is super hard to do when you're feeling jealous. That's how Nick views me. I, on the other hand, can relate to your feelings because I am a jealous bitch when it comes <laughs> to any of the exes. And we went to like a wedding a, f- a couple years ago and I knew one of his longtime exes was going to be there. And I literally got like sick to my stomach and became like a crazy person that weekend. So just, I just want you to kind of try to see both sides. Number one, know that your feelings are, 
are valid and that we've all been there and that, you know, all your feelings of jealousy, you're not crazy because I've I've been there. But then, you know, also try to channel a little bit of Nick <laughs> in your feelings and just <laughs> yeah. know that the guy you love now is because of these experiences. So in a way, try to find some some gratitude. That would be my advice. Yeah. Um, all right, Angela, what else do we have in the mailbox? Okay, this next one is from an anonymous listener and they write, Back in college, I had a small crush on my lab partner. We both had this natural chemistry. (laughs) No pun intended. I know. She didn't even go for the joke. Uh, We both had this natural chemistry, and I always looked forward to going to class so I could hang out with him. The reason this crush never became anything more is because each of us were currently in long-term relationships. Fast forward four years, I returned to my college town for a football game where I run into him at the tailgate. Backstory, about two years ago, he was in a terrible skydiving accident and is now a paraplegic. I was delighted that after everything he'd been through, he's still the same fun, adventurous, and awesome guy. Uh, Being that we're both now single, we drunkenly admitted to having crushes on one another back in school. A few days later, we hung out again and ended up hooking up. This, the sex was much better than anticipated given his circumstance, and I can tell he really likes me since he texts me and keeps in touch. Being that I live in Utah and he lives back home in Alabama, I am not really interested in starting anything serious with that much distance, and to be honest, I don't. I really don't see it going anywhere romantically on my part. Am I a terrible person for hooking up with him in this situation? And how do I let him down easy without him thinking it's because of his new quote-unquote disability? Oh, this one's a tricky one. Yeah. Um, Carly, what kind of advice would you give her for how she should let down this former crush of hers? Well, in a lot of ways, I feel like the answer is in the question, right? Like she just sort of explained it, you know, like. Yeah, absolutely. That was my instinct. She has like the perfect excuse. They live really far And not even an excuse. Like it seems truly, truly genuine. Yeah. Like I loved, I mean, transparency, I think, is the key when you're having any casual sexual experience because it's it's benefits the other person too like leaving them kind of hanging and wondering like you don't want to be in that position and we've all been in that position and sometimes it's just so much better even if it hurts for a second if someone's just like this isn't what I'm looking for but I really care about you and I had an amazing time I mean saying exactly what she said we, we don't live in the same place we live really far away from each other and I like think you're a wonderful person and I had a wonderful time that's valid. Yeah, I, I I agree. And I think if you're worried that he's going to think it's about his disability, but but I also think like you wouldn't have hooked up with him if that was turning you off or scaring you, right? Right. Yeah, I mean you're you're treating well, him maybe, like you no. would any other guy. I think probably there must be some anxiety on his part where it's like, "Oh, people will fuck me, but like would I be a good dad? Are people scared that I won't be able to make enough money or mm-hmm. help out with a kid, you know? Yeah, that's a good yeah. point too. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's not her job to ease his anxiety about that other than to just say how she feels. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think just being honest now mm-hmm. is the best thing you can do for him. I think... Uh, yeah, what did you tell her? Because you got this email and wrote her back. I did. Well, I basically said the same thing. I said, yeah, you have like the built-in reason right here you can blame it on the distance because that is the reason. And I said beyond uh, like as far as staying in touch beyond this, uh, I would be really conscious of like not leading him on. Like I know your instinct is probably like, we'll stay friends or we'll try to be friends. But I mean, you like you do live far apart. Like you might as well, if he is really into you, I think the best way for him to get over you is probably 
to not be in touch you know yeah but mm-hmm. don't ghost you know don't that, ghost like be respectful yeah. Yeah. nice but right and we've read so many studies that say it takes people way less time to get over somebody if they have a concrete reason of why it's not working out i think i think they said like if you tell them the truth and you, or you tell people why you're not into them it takes like two weeks versus like it taking right. months if you ghost somebody that's so, so interesting yeah yeah so you're doing them a favor by by letting by uh, letting him down yeah uh, we hope that's helpful. If any of you listeners want your questions answered or if you have any funny messages you want to share, email us at contact at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. You can also find all of our contact info on our website at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. Now let's dive into our reason of the week. This week's reason is exploring sexuality. Yes, and that's what you've been doing for your entire career. For people who maybe haven't opened that aspect of their their soul and their life, what is a good way for them to start to explore their sexuality and kind of tiptoe into the waters? Big question. I would say this is going to sound so like frilly probably, but an enormous aspect of being able to explore your sexuality is being able to accept yourself and what you want. Do you know what I mean? And being able to share that with people and not being ashamed about that. I I think so many people and you know myself included in many situations are so afraid of re- rejection that we aren't able to put ourselves out there even just like in terms of asking people on a date or to say like whatever I'd like to be tied up or whatever it is that you enjoy and think about how what it, about being on the other side of that it's such a generous and wonderful and vulnerable experience for someone to tell you exactly what they want and what turns them on and what sexual adventures they want to go on. So you offering that to someone else, I think is very generous, but also an amazing first step into being able to, yeah, explore and also share those experiences with other people. I would also give advice to like do it early on in the relationship. I don't know about you, Angela, but like now after being with somebody for a long, long time, it's like, it honestly gets almost, you know them so well on such an intimate level and you know everything about that person but then in a weird way like it's almost awkward now to like bring up new kinks or like things I've discovered or decided I like might want to try it's like well where is this coming from I've known you for like 10 years do you you feel the same way being with Ian for like five years now if you want to try something it's like almost too weird completely I was just talking about this with my friends the other day about how like married sex or like long-term relationship sex is so different than like casual dating sex because yeah like if if I was to just all of a sudden try something new and then we're both going to pretend that it's not a new thing or even if we talk about it ahead of time like I just feel like we're going to be so in our heads and self-aware about what's happening the whole time yeah that it will be hard to enjoy yeah not to say that we you know you shouldn't try new things but it's harder. Yeah, it's harder. Just do it early on. Like I remember on like our third or f- fourth time hooking up, I like busted out some like edible whipped cream I'd bought from like Victoria's Secret <laughs> back when I don't even know if they still sell that kind of stuff and like chocolate that you like paint on somebody. And I didn't like think twice about it. I was just like, you know, and now I would feel, I don't know why I would feel weird about doing that now because we've gone so long without doing that type of stuff, you know? So do this stuff early on in your relationships and like try out new things. So you like set right. the grounds for exploration. It's also just more exciting and fun when you don't really know how they're going to react and you're yeah. creating your sexual persona from scratch rather than like, you know, you know everything about me <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm pulling this trick out. Like, Yeah, yeah I, I think that adding... Um, like fun and diversity into your sex life early is a really good idea. 
I also think that another version of that is, you know, having a threesome or going to see whatever a dominatrix together. I think that's something you don't want to rush into because you don't want to do those experiences before you're ready. And before you've set the foundation for your relationships that you guys are strong enough, you think? Yeah. I mean, I think for some people they'll want to do that right away and they feel comfortable with that. But if you don't feel comfortable with that, I think it's important to tell your partner because you don't want to wade into a sexual situation that you feel uncomfortable in for someone else if they don't if that's not explicitly discussed also you're going to be uncomfortable maybe in this new situation yeah. and you want to make sure you're with somebody that like a hundred percent has your back yeah and that you feel really comfortable with where if you're like oh i'm not feeling this like they just know your cues and they they're right. like mm, she's she's not like like we're gonna we're gonna leave or like right. or stop you know right. yeah just you know, you obviously should always be an advocate for yourself, but you kind of want someone that you know also has your back, I would say. Totally. Yeah. All right. On that note, it is time for our Reason of the Week Breakdown. So slut isn't the only word that needs reclaiming slash destigmatizing. There is no shortage of euphemisms for sexually autonomous ladies. We're going to quiz Carly's knowledge of these nicknames in a game that we call slut or or British British slang for snacks. Oh, my God. Wait, this is so funny. (laughs) We're going to we're going to read a word and you have to tell us if it is a if it is slang for slut or if it's a slang for the word snack in or a different kind of british snack and we'll tell you yeah. what the snack is yeah. okay just in case you guys are going to london at some point and you want to order food all right angela take it away okay bangers snack correct it's a sausage i lived in the uk for a long time so i might be better at this oh than no other okay <laughs> or, or not oh no this this will be great you're, you're gonna, probably you're gonna, gonna nail this it. all right fish fingers oh actually don't know i would say slut actually just just fish sticks right? fish okay fingers. i was like well that's like it seems you, like we, it we would be like tricking you yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. uh angela hussy slut yeah tart slut troll oh snack no according to the internet it is a word for slut troll like t-r-o-l-l no t-r-u-l-l troll interesting kind of like trill i'm gonna use that yeah (laughs) uh calf k uh c-a-f-f i don't know i feel like i'm on like on spelling bee i'm like right Use it in a sentence, please. (laughs) Um, Snack? Okay. It's a diner. Means diner, right? Yeah. Right, like a... Cafe. Uh, Offie. Um, Like a off-license? O-F-F-Y. No, yes. Yeah. Got it? (laughs) Uh, Apparently, a liquor store in England is called an off-license, right? Because you need a a different license than a pub does. I did a lot of research for this game. Uh Uh, slapper. Oh, it's got to be a slut, right? Yep. Sloppy seconds. Oh, I would say snack because it ha- it's like too obvious. What? We we did an obvious <laughs> one. We weren't even, with you. We weren't Damn it. Yeah. All right. And last but not least, afters. Snack. 
Sure is. That's a British dessert. Afters, your after meal snack. Yes. Amazing. Um, you did pretty good. That wasn't I, that bad. I should have done better having lived there for like six years. <laughs> no, you know what? We didn't keep track, but I would say A minus. You you passed. It was, it's pass fail. You passed. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, amazing. Um, guys, we hope we have cleared up this week's reason because that is it for this week's This Is Why You're Single podcast. Thank you so much to our guest, Carly Shortino. You can catch season two of Slut Ever this Sunday, March 31st with the stripper episode that we loved and that we were talking about earlier. You can also follow Carly on Instagram at Carly Slut Ever and on Twitter at Slut Ever. Any other plugs we should tell people about? Mm. Oh, I'm currently, I co-wrote a television show called Now Apocalypse that's airing now on Stars. Awesome. Sundays at 9 p.m. or like you can just watch all the episodes on the Stars app. What's it about? It's very heavily about sexuality. It's basically about these four friends in LA who are being slutty in a good way and like exploring things like non-monogamy, sex work, um, but it's also taking place in what may or may not be an alien invasion. So there's like a... Oh my God, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a comedy. Cool. (laughs) That sounds... Amazing. Uh, our own little plug for ourselves. You can check out our book available on our Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our audiobook on Audible. Yep. And you can get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors. For a full list of sponsors and the codes, you can check out our podcast page on thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. We are also on social ourselves, so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Your Single Show. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. And thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. Bye. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba 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 ba. That was a headgum podcast.